This is Dialogue on Teaching. I am Nancy Lynn Westfield, Director of the Wabash Center, and of course I'm here with sound engineer extraordinary, Dr. Paul Myrie. Our guest today is Dr. Tetson Benny Liu, who is Professor of Religious Studies at College of the Holy Cross. Uh, Benny, welcome to the show. Good to be connecting with you. So we are still, yet and still, just at the beginning, we suspect at the beginning of dealing with COVID-19. Um, students have been sent home. Online learning is swiftly approaching. People are struggling with that even now. Um, academic, cultural, artistic events have been closed. Libraries have been shuttered. Most institutions are on remote work. So we are in an extraordinary time. So our concern right now and for this conversation is about our early career colleagues. Early career colleagues who are not only struggling with online classes, but also struggling with their own teaching identities in this moment of crisis. So let's just, let's start first with the online conversations. What does it mean or what advice can you give to us about suddenly, immediately being asked to switch from a course that you've designed for a classroom to now being, being, having to redesign that course and put it online? I guess the first thing I would say would be, um, don't be too ambitious. Be extending grace to yourself, uh, knowing that this is an extraordinary moment for everybody, uh, for students as well. So everybody is anxious, everybody is uh, wondering what's gonna happen next. Um, so the first thing I actually would do is I would cut down on my syllabus. Uh, I would not be trying to simply reproduce what I have planned and turn it into an online class. Uh, keep in mind, uh, as you have just said, libraries are closed. They cannot get the resources as easily. Uh, some of them may be limited even uh, digitally, depending on what their home economic situation is. So I would cut down. I would be taking it easy on myself, not to be too ambitious. And don't try to be too fancy. Don't try to suddenly become a professional, perfect online teacher. Uh, do what you can and realize that everybody is trying to make do for now. And um, it's not easy for anyone. So that would be the first thing I think is to cut down on what you do. So Benny, you're a, a veteran uh, colleague at Wabash Center. You've led workshops both for uh, colleges and university as well as seminary uh, colleagues. When, when colleagues take your advice about not being ambitious, will, will, in taking that advice, does that change their, how their colleagues will look at them? You see what I mean? So, so many people are second guessing themselves about yeah. that kind of advice. Right. Help our colleagues, our, particularly our young colleagues, have the, have the courage and the confidence to make the changes and stay healthy? I think that would be, uh, that is a good question. Um, try to connect with other people that you trust, that uh, have been your mentors if you need to. Uh, stay grounded with uh, people that you love. I think all those things are important for any teacher at any time, actually. Uh, we all know about this thing called the imposter syndrome, right? Uh, we were taught to be competitive, to get into the best grad program, write the best dissertation, land the best job. So those questions will always come up and raise the ugly heads. Uh, so it's important to stay grounded, uh, to realize that what 
your to to remember your calling as a teacher as well. Uh, to teach well is different from being uh, the best known or the most published or anything like that. So think about how you can do to teach well. And that goes back to the need to remember. Your students are also struggling. Uh, in this time, we have heard from the news, right? We are lucky as, as professionals, as professors, but a lot of people are being laid off. A lot of people cannot work. And you never know what your students' family situations are or their own situation, especially in seminary situation. So actually to care for your students in some way, maybe your highest calling as a teacher at this moment, maybe even more than what you can teach them, is to show that you care, that you understand their struggles, and uh, simply extend grace to yourself and to other people. I think that actually is more important at this point in time. I think that's brilliantly said. I've heard from uh, some colleagues across the country that uh, schools are asking to go, asking them to do classes pass-fail, mm. or students are asking to go pass-fail. Right. A, a similar kind of question. Does that diminish my scholarship if I allow my students to go pass-fail, if the registrar asks me if, if we can do that, if the dean asks me to do that? If I'm still pushing to be the best scholar, the best teacher, knowing it's a moment of crisis, but what about the quote academic standard? Oh, I don't, I don't, I don't believe in any of that, right? Um, to say best is a, is a relational term. So what it means to be best, it's sort of contingent on the situation. Hmm. In this case, I really think that you will be at your best self if you're able to extend that kind of understanding and grace to both your students and yourself. Uh, if someone will hold on to that kind of standard, um, I think it is highly problematic. It says more about that person than about anything else. So par part of what you're pushing at is that teaching is more than just an information giver. Teaching is more than just a cog in the academic wheel, that you are in relationship with your students and the crisis matters, that some people are trying to be unbending and unyielding during the crisis, kind of an attitude of kind of soldiering on no matter what, mm -hmm. which is not only unrealistic, but it's not helpful to the teacher, to the enterprise that you're around in, in terms of the curriculum, and certainly not for the student. Right, I, I certainly agree with that. Teaching is relational and meaning is relational, especially coming from my uh, tradition uh, as a Chinese, uh, a person of Chinese ancestry. We have a saying that, you know, if you're a teacher for one day for me, you're actually a teacher, you're actually my teacher for life. Mm -hmm. So if you really think about teaching and learning as that kind of relationship, it's not just when a student is enrolled in your course, it's an ongoing relationship. So this kind of understanding, this kind of relationship that you build, especially in a time of crisis, would really last perhaps much longer than someone taking your course. So in that sense, you are really being a good teacher in, uh, to that person in this time, and maybe for life. I, I completely agree. I also, I, I think about um, our colleagues who are people of color, Mm -hmm. who feel particularly pressured at this moment uh, to prove themselves in crisis. Mm -hmm. So giving them permission, giving them language around, even as a marginalized person in these white institutions, or somebody who, 
who does have the politic and the, and the pressure to say you are a scholar, even though you have a scholarly job, mm-hmm. um, to say you don't have to have that ambition right now in this crisis or ease up on yourself, even for the people of color who feel particularly pressured in this moment. Right. Right. And remember, we as teachers also have our own family, our own situations to deal with, right? All of that is, is not easy. So um, just take a deep breath and relax. Do what you can. Be understanding and cut down. I think that is actually key for everybody. So that works in a, in a climate uh, where that, those values are in your teaching community. You and I both over the years have been consultants for Wabash going in and out of schools. We know that that is not the climate of many institutions. And when a crisis comes, talk to the deans now, talk to the deans, the academic deans. What does an academic dean say to a, to, uh, a teaching colleague when they want to move in the directions that we're suggesting, that the, the syllabus is not the center of why you're gathering, the students are the center of why you're gathering. And caring for those students in this moment is why we are there to teach them. A lot, of, a lot of schools don't have that culture. So help the deans understand what we're talking about. I actually do think that the, a lot of administrators are on a similar lane. I could be wrong about this, but from what I'm seeing from my own um, connections, from my own school, from other schools, I'm hearing a lot of uh, really understanding messages. Uh, as you said, right, a lot of schools actually are suggesting that teachers turn their courses uh, into pass-fail. So I actually am not sure that is um, as difficult as, as it sounds. I think it's more the internal battle that a particular teacher may fight within themselves, right? Am I doing what is needed? Am I meeting the standard? Uh, I actually think that um, the deans are giving that kind of message for people to do the best you can they understand this is difficult for everybody. And difficult for everybody that we have to trust that. So if deans are offering you more lax mm-hmm. ways of being together, take those suggestions. Right. If you can grade pass fail, do that. That does not diminish your scholarship. Right. That will not come back to bite you mm-hmm. in three or four years when you are up for promotion or up for tenure or you need some kind of project to be established for yourself. That right. in this moment of crisis, trust the, trust the gifts that are given to you. Mm-hmm. In fact, pass-fail does not necessarily reflect a low standard. Uh, I've heard a particular university, uh, in order to encourage their students, not related to this crisis, uh, it has been a tradition of a particular university in order to encourage their students to take courses that are beyond what they're comfortable, comfortable with, uh, those electives are all graded pass-fail because they realize that if you take the pressure off, sometimes they are more willing to venture out, to take risk. Uh, so uh, to link pass-fail to a failure of academic standard, I think that is actually a very problematic kind of assumption as well. So let's help early colleagues to uh, give them permission to or help them think creatively about um, those, those grades that they'll give, the passes that they will give, and the fact that they could change assignments even at this time. They might need to change the assignments I think to they get do. students to the end of the course. Yep. So let's talk about changing assignments. Um, what, do, what 
particular questions do you have mind about changing a sign? Well, I, I'm probably just permission giving. I guess I've heard so many people try to be, I've heard two things. Mm -hmm. I'm not changing anything or it does, let's just cut it. Let's just end it. I'm going to do as little as possible. And what I hear you suggesting is somewhere in the middle of that, mm -hmm. right? So helping people, helping people see if I change assignments, I, that doesn't, that's different than throwing assignments out. Right. So even if I lessen assignments, you're still expecting students to be engaged and to engage the topic. I've heard these two extremes. Now, the reason why I'm hearing the extremes is people are in crisis. Right. <laughs> people are trying to figure out what to do. I actually do think that there's nothing wrong with throwing assignments out either. Um, so, for example, if I were teaching now, um, I, I think, you know, I'm on sabbatical. Mm -hmm. I do know that. Don't have to worry about this particular moment as much as other people. Mm -hmm. If I were teaching now, I would, I may well cut out something like a final paper, right? Expe I would do the same thing. Yeah, especially if you are in a course that have this kind of final paper that counts for a lot of the grade or whatever. Uh, I would not hesitate to cut that out. Uh, courses now I think become more like a conversation to make sure that students are still engaged, to make sure that your students are doing okay, that they are not worrying about uh, whether I will fail this class. Uh, so I would actually have no hesitation about cutting out a final paper. And whatever assignment that I would uh, assign, uh, if people need extension, I would also not be too rigid about due date or anything like that. Mm -hmm. uh, so again, the key to this, I think, really is to be able to be willing to be flexible and to be willing to say less is more. In fact, in teaching, often less is more. Mm -hmm. right? We all have a capacity in terms of how much we can take in, especially in a time of crisis. Your mind is already so distracted. Uh, so overloaded with information, uh, less really is more in this particular situation. So I've got colleagues too who have um, pivoted some of their assignments to re help students have a space to reflect on the crisis that's happening. Mm -hmm. So if there is an assignment due or an assignment that they're still keeping due, what what can they do to help their congregations, to help their uh, colleagues, whatever their vocational goals are, in mm. thinking about the current crisis. I actually think that's a brilliant move um, if students are not, are not so raw that they can reflect on the moment, right. but to right. use whatever they're doing, knowing they're either worrying or constantly thinking about what's mm. happening in the moment. Mm. I think that is a brilliant idea as well. I saw uh, one colleague in biblical studies actually suggested to change an assignment to say, if you're reading from a Hebrew Bible prophet, right, what would this prophet say in this particular situation or something like that? Not demanding, not a long write-up assignment, but just to help them reflect and help them to connect what they're learning in their classroom to this very real and uh, difficult experience. So let's move a little bit to the teaching life. So we all are sequestered either in some capacity in our homes or just beyond our homes with our, with our families. Um, many people have kids at home, being, being schooled at home. We've got two spouses working at home together oftentimes. How do, what does it mean to find balance in your teaching life? 
because again, this is not going to go away quickly, right? We're not talking about weeks of this. We're talking months of this kind of self-imposed quarantine. Mm-hmm. How do we think about our teaching life and, and, and ourselves in our own homes with families and kids and dogs and routines <laughs> that still need to go on? Right. I think you do the best you can. I personally, it's not, a, it's not big on this term balance. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those things that actually can create a lot of anxiety, a lot of difficulty for people. You know, am I balanced? Am I not balanced? Uh, I think most of the time you just do the best you can. Uh, something comes to the front at certain moments. Something goes to the back at certain moments. Especially at this time, um, you know, if you have children, they need to do their classes and homework online. Uh, if you have a partner or spouse, he or she may have to do so. How many computers do you have? Right? Okay. How many rooms do you have that you can do things privately and quietly? Uh, so again, uh, I think balance is very difficult to achieve, and I would not overemphasize that term at all. Mm-hmm. I think I think you just do the best you can, and 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 see what happens. But it's so countercultural. We as as Americans, we keep we it's doing the best we can is not the message usually. No, <laughs> it's that that's a very countercultural statement. I had a colleague who wrote uh, just this morning. I thought when I would go home, I would have lots of time, lots of space. I could do kind of luxurious things that that (laughs) I hadn't gotten to. And instead, it's been a frenetic experience, you know, for these last two or three days. Right. So so living in the frenetic is not something people are prepared to do. No, no, it's very difficult. And think about, you know, colleagues, especially when we're talking about younger colleagues who may have young children at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have to worry about their well-being. You can't just say, okay, you do your homework as if you were in school, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, suddenly, you have to fix meals for them. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is not easy. Uh, so once again, just uh, give room for, it, for yourself to fail. Give room for yourself to do less. Uh, simply uh, realize this is difficult for everyone. My grandmother would say first things first and other things never. Right, right. right so you can just do what you can do, right? Yep. You, don't, you can't do more than you can do. And yep. then beating yourself up for not doing it is not helping anything or anybody. Right, and in some way, don't forget your family need you as much as your students as mm-hmm. well. So uh, you can easily spread yourself too thin if you try to do too much. Mm-hmm. When you, when you think about the situation that's happening, I'm, I'm, I'm changing the topic a little bit. Yeah. When you think about what's happening in our society, Benny, how do you make sense of it? Uh, it is uh, very, I, I don't know what to make sense of it, actually. Uh, this is something that we have not experienced before. Um, it, is, it is very, very difficult to get a handle on what is going on. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, what is difficult also is this uh, linking of what we're experiencing as a war. And I think in some way I understand it, but in some way also it actually um, may not be as helpful. Uh, it is, I, I, am, I don't know what I would say about that. It is something that I'm not prepared to comment at length about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, I'm, I'm asking because I'm not prepared to comment about it either. Um, but I do find myself asking the question. And um, 
as scholars and and as curious people, probably more so as curious people, mm -hmm. to be stymied by a situation is a new experience. So we've heard people try to reflect, try to link it to other things, either historically or culturally. Mm -hmm. But I've also seen that those connections are feeble, mm -hmm. right? So to be in a moment in history or a moment in time, you know, a cultural moment where we're making meaning out of it, um, is so difficult or even impossible affects affects our faith affects how we understand who we are in the scheme of things and even saying that i'm not saying negatively affects i'm saying that right. there's a certain kind of challenge that's here right. that we've never been challenged to be in these kinds of spaces before right i do think we have to pay attention to what happened after uh i really hope that this virus would be uh quote unquote under control sooner than later. Uh, but what happened afterwards actually would be very significant, right? Uh, we all know we can get used to certain situations. We all know there are people who are more than willing to take advantage of a crisis mm -hmm. to, to um, implement certain measures, to do certain things that are not necessarily helpful to society. Uh, how do we deal with the after, I think that's significant. How do people deal with one another, right? Does uh, social isolation or social distancing become a norm? Uh, all those things I do think we need to pay close attention to. And, and as teachers, as scholars, as faculty, paying attention to those things and uh, when, when things go back to business as usual, knowing business as usual will never come back, mm -hmm. right? They, so, so business as usual is gone, but, to, but being mindful that when we start back up, when we return to our classrooms, that the, human, the humanness that we have to bring back to our classrooms is as important after this as it is right now. Right, especially about people movements. Do we restrict people movement? What does that mean? And, and uh, how do we engage one another? Uh, all those questions are very significant that we must attend to. It might be a moment when scholars of religion and curious people can um, be more active in the public sphere than less active. It might be a time when the kinds of things that we think about, write about, talk about, will be more advantageous to our larger society than mm -hmm. we had previously thought of. There's something about scholars of religion who tend to kind of privatize our own conversations. Mm it might be that society will look to us to say, what, what is next? How do we rebuild? How do we reestablish? If the paradigm has shifted, to say what it has shifted to, the relig the, those of us who are curious about religion and religious things have a stake in that. Mm -hmm. I think there will be, that would certainly be appropriate for us to do uh, and to speak up, especially uh, when, when this crisis is over, when we see what happened, we have a more time to reflect on its meaning and its implication. I think it would be a, a wonderful thing for us to be engaged and help to uh, help people to reflect and to make sense of what is going, what has happened, okay. and to prevent undesirable policies and measures to be taken. Yep. Benny Lou, you have been more than helpful. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your wisdom. Is there, do you have one last thing you want to tell us, particularly thinking about our young scholars, our young teachers who are struggling today? 
Uh, again, uh, be good to yourself. Take care. Take care of your family. Uh, I do want to share something that actually uh, was circulated by uh, John Casco, the executive director of the Society of Biblical Literature. Mm-hmm. So uh, he sent an email and I uh, have some suggestion for, for a group of people that we were conversing about. And I thought it was really nice. So I'm going to uh, just read what he sends us. It says, every hand that we don't shake must become a phone call that we place. Every embrace that we avoid must become a verbal expression of warmth and concern. Every inch and every foot that we physically place between ourselves and another must become a thought as to how we might be of help to that other should the need arise. So hopefully we can all keep that in mind, uh, not only during this crisis, uh, but after. That's very Great talking with you, Lynn. Good talking with you too. Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. And we're out. How was that, Paul? <laughs>